Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Report Podcast, episode 112. Benjamin Yoder here today to talk to you about mistakes. Mistakes that have been made in my life, um, specifically in the context of purchasing video games. Um, so I figured we'd take a break from like the, the news and what I've been playing kind of grind uh, to, to kind of go over <laughs> some of the purchases I've made over the last, I don't know how long this has been now, probably a couple months now. Um, I feel like I've been kind of wanting to talk about games I've purchased uh, more often uh, but a lot of times I have a hard time finding it in the podcast or finding uh, a place to put it in the podcast. I could have talked about some of these already. I, I'm not 100% sure or I probably at least mentioned them offhand at some point. Um, but I figured it'd be kind of interesting or not really, maybe not interesting. I don't know. Maybe interesting is the wrong word to use, but I figured it would be kind of fun to uh, go through uh, a bunch of games that I've purchased and and kind of kind of explain the thought process behind picking them up. Um, I think the reason why I would do this, I guess, is because I kind of buy a pretty wide variety of stuff. Um, it does, there's not always a very clear pattern, I feel like, a lot of the times. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to, to, like, look at each individual game that was purchased and then, uh, kind of explain, uh, what drove me to buy it. Uh, some of them are gonna have more reasons than others, I'm sure, but other ones are probably, are probably going to be just kind of like, yeah, you know, why not? Why not buy this? Um, and maybe we'll, we'll go ahead and get started with one that you are probably quite aware of, because I think I've talked about it the last couple uh, couple of weeks, and that was Uncharted 2 and 3 uh, for the PlayStation 3, which is mostly I purchased it because of the um, the servers being shutting are being shut down, uh, causing one of my friends to play. So he was like, hey, let's do the co-op stuff in this game. I was like, sure, why not? These games are, are fairly inexpensive initially this was the initial thought so i was like oh i'll go try to find like the cheapest copies of these i can find and i i maybe paid like uh five to to eight dollars i think for for each individually so i think i paid like eight dollars for uncharted 2 and then uncharted 3 i paid like five dollars um uncharted 2 i got off like amazon or something uncharted five or three uncharted five <laughs> uncharted three um i got like at a GameStop, and i was like okay cool i got this and played online i had forgotten that you have to pay, buy an online pass to play that game online. So I ended up buying this used copy, uh, but it would have been like also $15 to, to buy the, the, a new copy, like 15 to 20 bucks. And that would have had the online pass. Um, but since I bought it used, I had to buy a new online pass, which was about $10. So I didn't really didn't save any money on that one. Um, what I think has been most interesting about playing it, and I don't think I really bought the game trying to pursue this or anything is just um the mobility in that game as as you know in comparison to like a a what i would expect to be a more traditional third person shooter at that time uh you know typically shooters you're you're fairly grounded you know there may be some jumping mechanics or the ability to do some like dodge skills or something like that but for the most part um a lot of the movement is probably especially from that era in particular uh heavy cover focus um and and you're kind of locked down and just kind of aiming and pointing and shooting um that's not true for all shooters on uh, of that era but but 
for sure that's that's what I think of when I think of like 360 and PS3 shooters are the cover based uh shooters of that era that were were so popular. Then you saw games like Vanquish and stuff kind of try to to um get or um try to implement different different iterations of that. So Vanquish I think does have like some cover mechanics, but you have this like jetpack where you kind of jet around or something like that. So in Uncharted in, in the case of Uncharted 2 and 3 or at least Uncharted 3, I have not played Uncharted 2 yet. Um it, it, there's a, a ability to like just kind of mobilize yourself around the environment and find different like ways to flank enemies and stuff that I think is a uh, pretty interesting compared to a lot of shooters where you're kind of limited by what, you know, the groundwork or or having to find a path like a, a staircase to get up to the second level uncharted definitely has places where you can't really climb up somewhere because of the like you know the walls like a smooth wall or something like that but um there's a lot more opportunities for you to kind of hoist yourself up and get around somewhere i didn't play any competitive shooter stuff though in the multiplayer so so yeah and uh so it's mainly i've been talking about this from like the the wave perspective of the game um but i i still think uh i would like to play through the uncharted story someday i still need to get uncharted one whether that's the ps4 collection or through a ps3 copy who can say what that will end up being um i think playing the cooperative and uncharted has definitely made me more interested though and that stuff. Uh, kind of in that same vein, I picked up Bionic Commando for the Xbox 360. I think that's also one of those games where I look at it and and from a shooter perspective, because that game does, I think is, as, as far as I remember, it's been a very long time since I've seen actual gameplay of Bionic Commando. Uh, this, or I, I think I may have rearmed early, but Bionic Commando, the the reboot of the, of the series for Xbox 360 and PS3, um, that game uh, has like a the grab hook thing still, and you can kind of like fling yourself around the world and stuff from what I can remember. And so you can kind of move around while you're shooting and stuff like that in a really fast and uh, aerial way. And, and, and so I think Bionic Commando inter- has always interested me from that perspective of like, hey, you can kind of do some really interesting movement uh in that game while you're while you're also shooting it's probably part part of why i also was interested in capcom's dark void at the time uh because you kind of were able to fly around and shoot and then you had those like cool little little sections where you like climb up tubes and i knew it was like it, it was basically just like hey you're when you're in the tube it's basically a, a cover shooter at that point but i always thought that was like a, a cool thing to do just like have you jet around between cover and stuff like that um so i think bionic commando definitely came from that the desire for that type of game. That's why I ended up picking it up. Uh, I think it was like $2, I think is what I ended up getting for. $2, $3, pretty, pretty cheap. Um, definitely on the lower side of things. Most of these like $2, $3 games I end up getting from GameStop because they slowly clearance out some stuff. Uh, but it's still taking time. I'm surprised PS3 and 360 games can be as pricey as they are at, at GameStop. Uh, I, I sometimes wonder if they don't really clear stuff out as much anymore. And they more or less just kind of like take it to their warehouse and say, sell it online kind of thing. And uh, would would do that over just trying to, you know, clear inventory from the shelf. Um, another title I got from, from GameStop was uh, was uh, Sonic Colors. Um, I mainly, so the, the, the real reason why I got Sonic Colors is because when I was buying uh, a couple other Wii games, uh, there was like a buy two, get one free, uh, deal in place. So I was like, ah, and then I needed something very quickly to just kind of grab off the shelf and be like, okay, this, I think it was like $8. And then, so one of the games I bought, um, was $5. So the $5 game ended up being free. So I paid an extra $3 for, you know, 
essentially to to lower the price of that that uh five dollar game down by by a few bucks but um but yeah sonic colors i mainly got uh you know aside from from just trying to make a quick decision so i can get out of that store uh i mainly got because it is probably my favorite sonic the hedgehog game uh that i've ever played like i'm a big i would say i'm a I have a lot of affection, maybe, for Sonic Adventure, um, but I think there's a lot of problems with that game structurally that I think would be very difficult for me to really recommend to anybody unless I, I really spent some more time with it again. I, I, it's been a while since I've played Sonic Adventure, so I'd probably need to sit down and play through it again and, and kind of figure out my feelings on that game. Um, but Sonic Colors is just like a really solid uh 3d sonic the hedgehog game but it's it's in my opinion is at least compared to sonic generations uh kind of that perfect mix between the 2d portions of the game and the 3d portions because essentially it's probably about maybe 40 percent 3d sections and then and then uh 60 percent 2d sections and the big thing is that it's always felt like like as you were getting tired of the previous mode, like I've been in this 2D like section of the game for a while, the game would always like switch on you like at just the right time. It always felt like it was paced very well, where it's constantly kind of go, going it's like putting you through a series of challenges on 2D or 3D and then very quickly switching you over as soon as you've kind of completed a handful of challenges. It just keeps keeps the variety like the variety of the of the game as you're going through it uh feel really good. No no one level feels like an onslaught of one particular challenge because you're constantly going back and forth between these two different play styles. Um what I think is also really cool about Sonic Colors is it doesn't just focus on, you know, Sonic's skills uh either there's these things called the wisps i think they're called and you can kind of um uh use these wisps as different power-ups and some of them are, are not very good but i think the majority of them complement sonic well between the drill the light thing some of them are just like the, the light one is like similar to the uh 3d sonic games where he can like do a light dash through rings in the game so that's a skill that's definitely been around and basically was repurposed for for the wisp but but I do think the majority of the Wisps feel really good and mix really well with Sonic's uh, play style and and add quite a bit of variety to how you how you tackle the environments in particular. Like it, it's kind of like a puzzle element in some ways. So so I picked it up mainly because, you know, it's it's one of the games that I rented back in the day um, through Gamefly, but I ended up really liking it's like right alongside El Shaddai of games that are like, I really like these games, but just the nature of getting it through Gamefly. I didn't end up owning it at the time, and I was in college, so I was poor. Um, so I was just kind of going back and refilling that out, and then, hey, maybe someday, you know, I'll look at it for a quick play or something like that. Um, I'd have to, I think, I'd have to see where the save data is for that. I think I have it on an SD card, but I'd have to copy it over to the actual system to, to bring that over, so... If I get that save date, I could maybe pick out a few levels that were were of interest and kind of put it there. But otherwise, you know, more or less, it's there on the shelf for if I need it for any kind of footage stuff, if I need it for quick play stuff, if I need to reference it for any reason. And, you know, at the time, it just pricing wise made made a little bit of sense. So I went ahead and got it. Uh, I probably should be speeding up between these, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. One Piece Unlimited Adventure. I have very little affection for One Piece. I don't like hate it or anything. I just never really interacted with it much. I, I had like two volumes of the manga when I was a kid, or maybe it was one volume. I think I had two volumes of Naruto 
and one volume of One Piece. Um, I don't remember getting much further than like the opening chapters where Luffy like eats the Luffy. I don't know what it is. Uh, where he like eats the the gum gum fruit. Is that what that thing is? Is this the story of One Piece? Um, um, so I don't really have a lot of affection for that series really. Um, but I am open to playing anime games, um, even if they're not like you know a series that I really care about. Uh, the, the main reason I was always interested in One Piece and Limited Adventure is that, A, it's a Wii game. It's one of the earlier Wii games, if I recall correctly. I don't think it's, I think it's maybe like 2007 or something like that. Um, it actually looks pretty nice. I, I, I'd have to double check the release here, but I think it is one of those earlier ones. Um, and I've been seeing the game sitting around like $20, $25 for years and years, and the price still hasn't dropped. So I think I, I just kind of decided like, this is probably what the price of this game is going to, going to be. Um, I, I don't know, maybe one day one piece will fall out of favor and the price of it will drop. I don't know. So I was like, okay, well this case is in good condition. So I picked it up. Um, I think what's most notable about the game for me at this time is, uh, I think the name of the developer is Gunbarian. Uh, they worked on, um, Pandora's Tower for the Nintendo Wii, which is like a really interesting, uh, hack and slash game that I actually didn't really like that much. I think it plays a little funky, um, and, uh, and I, I really need to sit down and spend some more time with it at some point. I, I would have beaten it at the time, but, uh, the copy I had would freeze at a specific load screen about halfway through the game. So I ended up buying another copy. And so, but the problem is, is that the original copy I bought is a PAL copy. And then I bought an NTSC copy to replace it. So the save files aren't compatible. So I'll have to <laughs> play through the game again, essentially, or find a way to convert that save data. But I'm going to guess just play through the game again. Um, so yeah, it's that same developer and, and I think their One Piece games all look pretty, pretty solid for the most part. There's one that came out recently that had kind of like a grapple hook mechanic that I thought looked pretty neat. And I was, I was willing if I would probably be interested in checking that out. If I could get it pretty cheap, I probably wouldn't buy it at like full price or anything like that. Um, so maybe 10 years from now when that one piece game is also 10 to $15 or something, I'll, I'll go ahead and pick it up. So unfortunately I didn't notice that the case at the top right corner actually was cracked. And when I was cleaning the case, I actually, uh, tore the plastic a little bit more. So, so the, 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 if I wanted to, I could replace the case without too much trouble. I can't, I don't think the art of the, the, the case is ripped at all. I think it's just the case itself. Um, so, so that's the one downside of that, that purchase, but I paid about, I think about what it would cost to buy it. I don't think I really found a deal or anything, but I've been kind of staring at that game for a long time and it was like, well, I guess I'll pick it up. So I played about the first hour of it and I, I thought it was fine. Um, I'm curious to see what it's like. You can kind of like switch, switch characters, uh, freely, uh, as far as I can tell, but they all have like different energy values and stuff. So you kind of use one and then you kind of switch over to the other. So maybe someday I'll, I'll, I'll sit down and, and spend a good chunk of time on it. It seemed, it seemed, it seemed solid. And, um, and I think that the the visuals of the game are actually very nice. So as somebody who likes the Wii and is basically looking for anything of any kind of value on the Wii, uh, I think it's I think it's a, it was a good pickup. Just maybe maybe I could have gotten it a little cheaper in some cases, but who can say? I I operate on the 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 thought that hey, every video game I see is only going to go up in price, and every video game I buy is going to be worthless. So it helps make me make sure I buy games at a price that I know I'm going to play them, or that I, I will value the money spent on it for playing it. So I don't I, I don't think I'll regret the money I spent on it, even if I don't like the game. 
Uh, another Wii game, another cheap Wii game, uh, was Wii Cheer, W-E-C-H-E-E-R, so not W-I-I. Um, this is a Bandai Namco rhythm game. I remember people being really into Wii Cheer. I don't think, I think there's some irony behind it, but I think there people actually were like, hey, this is actually a really good uh, rhythm game for the Wii. So I picked it up because it was like $2, and, and that was kind of the big thing. Uh, I, I um, you know, I... I think Dan, like, I'm always interested in how companies use the Wii Remote's technology, especially the initial Wii Remote that came out to to track motion and and how accurate they get because the original Wii Remote was not capable of a lot. So so there's kind of a um, you got to kind of look for when you're playing some of these games what the Wii Remote's looking for in terms of the motion to to complete an action or something like that. So I'm always kind of curious to see like how how accurate a developer can get to the intended motion they want the player to do um, versus what the game will actually recognize. Um, and so recently I played through Gabriella's Ghostly Groove on WiiWare, so so Wii Cheer kind of fits in that same space. And I thought was what was interesting about Gabriella's Ghostly Groove is that it maybe was um I could definitely tell it was looking for certain things at certain times, but exactly how accurate it was looking for was was very lenient um in terms of like I could basically just sit there and shake the Wii remote uh <laughs> in tune with the rhythm and then the game didn't care. It's just like I guess you're shaking me right now. But there's some specific moves where you couldn't just sit there and shake the Wii remote in tune with the rhythm. So it resulted in a lot of things where you're like trying to uh you know shake the Wii remote in a different way than than what you normally would to kind of trick the game in a different way. So I think that was interesting about it. And I want to see how more dancing games in particular um recognize that kind of motion um and and how accurate and how like what they're what they're looking for when they're when they're doing this motion because you know dance is a very you know broad thing uh i'm guessing with we cheer it's more like a samba de amigo kind of thing where it's just like kind of like point in a specific direction and shake the controller versus like you know a just dance or something like that but um you know also, two dollars, <laughs> you know, pretty cheap and and easy to check out. If I ever really wanted to sit down and spend some time with it, I I bought Somebody Amigo for one dollar on the Wii, uh, maybe about a decade ago now, and still haven't checked that out. So we'll see. Maybe we cheer will end up on that same shelf. <laughs> so, and I think that's kind of. Oh, let's just continue with the Wii games. There's there's one more one more Wii game I picked up actually. I picked up Captain Rainbow finally. Uh, I saw a copy that was. Uh, our Vink had listed on his store that that I went ahead and decided to pick up just because it's been a game I've always been interested in checking out. Um, I'm a I used to be and maybe still I am a, a a pretty big Nintendo fan. Um, Nintendo is definitely like my my platform of choice when you turn when in terms of like first party software. Um, especially nowadays, I feel like most of Sony's software I'm not really interested in, and I don't think I've ever been like super into Microsoft's output. Nintendo's output has always been, you know, my my in my my taste at least. Um, but you know, I grew up on a Nintendo system, so it could just be 100 percent that. Um, but in in you know, kind of pursuing the the space that I do these days, where I play a lot more weirder games and stuff, or more obscure stuff. Um, I think more obscure Nintendo characters are kind of interesting still. I think most people know about, you know, all of them. You're going to find plenty of people on the internet who are like, I love Mock Rider or something like that. Um, so Chibi, or not Chibi Robo, same developers as Chibi Robo. Uh, Captain Rainbow kind of is like a really 
good collection of these like characters that really don't get a lot of attention otherwise like they maybe had a game or two at some point in their life and then um you know then they just kind of disappeared after that and nintendo continues to reference them like you know like like takumaru from you know mysterious castle murasame um he shows up in a handful of games here and there but he's not he's never really had his own full release in a long time um so like seeing those characters kind of parodied it in a really really silly way always seemed fun and there's a fan translation as far as i can tell so i need to figure out how to get um uh that loaded on a wii u um i know fatal frame four on the wii had a fan translation but back at that time i wasn't really messing with that kind of stuff so i never really understood how the fan translation stuff worked on the wii so so now i just gotta do the research and figure out how that works on the wii u and uh, i assume it's gonna probably just be like patching an iso or something and then and then running that or maybe there's something else i don't know I just need to sit down and do the research on it. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm a big fan of Chibi Robo games too. It's the same developer. I'm blanking on the names. It's Skip, I think. Skip LTD. Um, they also did Gift Pia. That's another game that I need to sit down and take a look at someday. I don't have Gift Pia though, so I'll have to actually buy it. I have a feeling that Gift Pia maybe might not be so cheap. I feel like that's one of those GameCube games that generally has... Maybe not a ton of knowledge about it, but it is one of the few GameCube games that didn't get localized that people know about. So I wouldn't be surprised if it has, is relatively pricey. I don't know. We'll see. I'll, maybe I'll look at it someday. I don't think GIFP ever got finished being uh, fan translated, though. I think that that tr uh, project kind of stalled out at some point. Um, and I think that's it for Wii games in that case, uh, in, in 3DS land, you know, I, I bought that 2DS XL that I, I decided to, to hack so I could do some video out stuff on. So it's like, oh, yay, new, new, like now I can finally do 3DS capture and feel better about playing 3DS games because honestly, like, I feel like a lot of time if I can't capture a game, it's at least a pretty decent detriment of me probably not spending the time or not actually sitting down and playing it, unfortunately. It probably shouldn't be that way, but that's how it happens sometimes. Uh, and then even worse for, for 3DS and DS stuff is that, like, I prefer playing games on a TV overall as well. So I almost never play those portable games anymore. It's really sad because I feel like I was, I was a really big fan of the original DS back in the day. And when I used to play DS games pretty frequently, you know, I... I was a big fan of the software that came down that system. It's a system that I'll never be done with in terms of, you know, the software library because there's just so many games. Um, and I'm somebody with a pretty, you know, I bought Wii Cheer earlier. I have a pretty low bar of I'm interested in this kind of thing. Um, I, will, I will, given given unlimited time, I would play every single video game ever released probably. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I, I typically find something interesting about any game, even if like I sit there and say, I'm not going to play this or something. It's just a matter of picking my time, unfortunately. Um, so anyways, I picked up some 3DS stuff in, in, in prep for that. Uh, I picked up Final Fantasy Explorers. Uh, I'm a big fan of action RPGs. And I think what w caught my eye about Final Fantasy Explorers originally was that there seemed to be a focus on like smaller monsters and stuff it wasn't necessarily just the monster hunter uh chase kind of thing i feel like outside of free-to-play games there's not a lot of like dungeon-based hack and slash games sometimes i say that but somebody's going to come up here and be like oh here's this very obvious thing and be like oh yeah <laughs> um um but like 
I can't think of a ton of games that kind of look and feel like Fancy Star Online these days. Uh, or at least this is how I felt about it maybe seven years ago when <laughs> uh, Final Fantasy Explorers actually came out. Um, but I do feel like, you know, Fantasy Star Online 2 is around and stuff like that. But but maybe it's just like there's not a lot of those games that are not service-based games at this point. So, so there's not really an end if you play them a lot of the time, I guess is maybe where I'm coming from. Um, so you can't really like play through a game and just kind of be done with it. Um, is that 100% true? Probably not. Tokiden 2 actually has a lot of like uh, in-world stuff where you just kind of fight smaller stuff. So, so there's definitely games out there like that. But, but Explorers caught my eye because there were like it wasn't just battles against summons and things like that. Uh, I'm a little sad about any kind of Final Fantasy game that just has a bunch of crossover content nowadays. Like. They they reused so many characters from these series and shoved them into so many games that I'm just like, I need a break from these characters to care that Squall is in a new game again. Like, my expectation in some sense is that pretty much any Final Fantasy game that doesn't have a number on it is probably going to have some crossover character in it, and I think that's kind of unfortunate. Um, I think it really kind of made those crossovers less special of when they when they used to happen and i think and maybe this is particularly just a problem that i have with final fantasy 11 in those games but i feel like there's there should be more variety in the characters they bring over it feels like it's the same characters every single time and then obviously that makes a lot of sense for the mainline games because it's, it's your protagonist or whatever um but i kind of wish there was just more variety in the characters we're pulling in from these different games uh, but again, I, you got to bring Squall over. If you're bringing Final Fantasy VIII over or into your game, you know, Squall missing is a weird thing. Um, but yeah, so that's on there. Codename Steam was the other 3DS game I picked up. I'm a big fan of Valkyria Chronicles and a big fan of Intelligent Systems, or I, I used to be a lot bigger fan of Intelligent Systems. I haven't really played their games in a long time. Like thinking about it, I'd say probably like, like Radiant Dawn might be the last intelligent system game I really remember getting into. So, so yeah. Um, I, but anyways, I like, I liked what I played of intelligent system games back then at the very least. Um, and so Codename Steam always seemed like it was really goofy and fun in a way. So I picked that up. That game is the, the eternally cheapest 3DS game you can find out there. Bombed so hard. Um, but it looks really good and really solid overall, and, you know, it is a little slow as far as I can tell, but, eh, you know. Um, and you know, there aren't a lot of games that play like Valkyria Chronicles, I feel like. You can find things that are similar-ish, but but Codename Steam is very much in that style from what I played of the demo initially. So so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to checking that out eventually. Whether I'll check that out before I check out Valkyria Chronicles 3, I'm not really sure. I kind of have a desire just to kind of finish up Valkyria Chronicles as a series for now. Um, I don't really know what their plans for the series is going forward. I think Valkyria Chronicles 4 didn't particularly sell well. So I'm curious what will be next. Uh, Valkyria Revolution bombed pretty hard here. I know for reasons, even though I like that game, but I get it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and that's kind of it for 3DS stuff. I'm kind of looking for style savvy games at this moment. Uh, there's a, there's a, the style savvy, style savvy two, which is girl mo girls mode three. Um, so it's the third game in the series, even though style savvy, you know, no, it's not style savvy two. I'm sorry. Cause the original style savvy did come out here in the U S. So anyways, the third Style Savvy game and third Girls Mode game. Series called Girls Mode in Japan, three and four. <laughs> Anyways, um, so that, that third game came out in the U.S. physical. 
but then the fourth game did not. But I think the fourth game did get a PAL release with a physical copy, and I think I can. I mean, it's a hacked system, so I 100% assume I can do region-locked games. I just have to actually figure out what I need to do to get around that. Um, if I need to do anything, maybe it's just literally just because I already hacked my systems, just plug in and go. I don't know. Um, so I guess I'm trying to figure out if I want to get Style Savvy 3 um, or, or just go straight to 4. I probably should just go straight to 4, but let me tell you, I like the case of Style Savvy 3 a lot. So part of me really wants to pick up Style Savvy 3. Purple is my favorite color, like that dark purple. And that case is all that. And I'm just like, oh, that looks that looks really nice. <laughs> so I don't know. I never played the original Style Savvy on DS. I need to pick it up on the Wii U Virtual Console or something and, and spend some time with it at some point. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I probably should just move forward. Probably no sense in going back at this point. Or at least without a reason, a good reason to do so. So yeah, I'm looking at buying more 3DS games though in the future. Uh, and then just some some other random kind of imports I picked up. I think I may have talked about these before. Uh, Doraemon 2 for the Game Boy. It looks like a really interesting game in terms of variety. It's a it's as far as I can tell, it's mostly like a shooter kind of thing where you have you're able to like you have a gun and you just basically shoot. But how you are how that's presented changes. So some stages are like side scrolling platformers where you shoot. Some are overworld things where you're like moving in four directions and shootings. Other ones are like top down space flight stuff. There's side scrolling, uh, you know, auto scroller stuff or uh, scrolling f- flight sections. Um, so it just, it looks like it takes a core idea and kind of implements it in a lot of different ways. Um, I'm a big fan of that. That's part of why I like the original Nier so much, seeing like a core mechanic that gets kind of like spread out between a bunch of different presentations to kind of give a feel of different games, even though it's still definitely sticking to that core mechanic. Um, so Doraemon 2 kind of scratched that itch for me. So I picked that up. I'm not sure if I'll check that out anytime soon, I was a big fan of Doraemon for the 64 and I like what I've seen of Doraemon 2 and I'm going to guess it's not a particularly long game. I could be wrong about that. So I don't know. We, we may, um, we may spend some time with that in the, in the near future, or it might just end up in the <laughs> giant pile of uh, nothingness. I need to find a way to store Game Boy and Game Boy games in a way that's like reasonable. Right now I just have like a bag I stick them in and I really need to get like a way to like divide them properly and stuff like that and and have them in a place that I can find them a lot easier rather than having to dump this bag out every time and just kind of find them um I also picked up a copy of Blue Breaker Burst 1 which is basically identical to Blue Breaker Burst 2 pretty much just 100% because I'm like well I guess I should complete the Blue Breaker Burst series um I don't know if I'll actually play that game honestly I'm a little not certain about that that's one of the ones where like I feel like I should play it but when I look at the reality of playing it, where it's like, this is literally just Blue Breaker Burst 2, it's kind of like, to what end? To what end will I play all this game? <laughs> so, I don't know. I It's it's there. I like Blue Breaker. I'm glad I have it. I got that bonus CD that came with it. It's not the soundtrack, actually. I thought it was originally the soundtrack that's like the bonus CD with it. But it's just like a bunch of voice acting and stuff on there. And maybe like two songs. So um, it's actually not quite what I thought it would be, but it's, it's cool. It's actually in some ways better because I I already had the soundtrack downloaded for that game. So having the physical copy would have been cool, but you know, whatever. There's actually a physical soundtrack you can buy and it's actually pretty pricey for Blue Breaker. Uh, I think the composer for Blue Breaker is actually fairly well known. So that might be why it's kind of pricey. Um but I don't think Blue Breaker, Blue Breaker is a series of anything that like people are really pursuing or anything like that. There's a Blue Breaker desktop accessories disc 
that I tried to look up and I could not find anywhere. So if if for some reason you end up finding a Blue Raker desktop accessory disc, let me know. <laughs> I want it so I can get those dumb wallpapers and feel like a bad man. <laughs> Again, this is an episode of mistakes. Um, and then finally, I also imported... Uh, uh, oh, I, I imported the PS2 Goemon game. It says... I wrote down the full Japanese name, so Boken Jedi Katsugeki Goemon. Uh, that's the same studio that did Castlevania 64. I don't know if any of the people are the same, but it's the same studio name. Uh, the only thing I really have to say about that game so far, I did put it in for a little bit. It, it weirdly enough, runs at 240 in 240p, which is very bizarre for a PS2 game, I feel like. Um, I could be wrong about that, but it just plays in a weird... It's just weird. Like most most PS2 games are 480i, so it's strange. But yeah, um, I I kind of just want to check that game out, see if I can like you know. It'd be interesting if there are some similarities between Castlevania 64 and this this Goemon game. I'm not holding out for that. I plan to just kind of appreciate it for what it is in that case. But anything that has Kun, uh, Kobe uh, Konami Computer Computer Entertainment Kobe on it, uh, I think at this point it's pretty much an instant buy for me. In the same way that Hugh Next Games just kind of are an instant buy for me now, because I'm like, well, I, I gotta look at this developer and see if there's anything interesting. <laughs> so, so that's what that is. And then I also got Can Cam Bunny Extra DX for the PCFX. Um, when I bought First Kiss Story, that says like 18 plus on the on the disc. And so part of me was like, well, I have my one adult video game for the system. I probably won't buy any other ones. Uh, First Kiss Stories 18 Plus is not real. <laughs> um, I mean, it's there. It's on the box, but it's it's very, very, very tame game. Uh, the worst you see is like there's a section where there's a girl like holding a towel in front of her. And I think you maybe get to see her butt cheek. It's pretty much equivalent to like the Street Fighter Chun-Li thing in that old Street Fighter movie that everybody talked about where where you saw Chun-Li's butt and then they like kind of cut it out of the later versions or something. Pretty much equivalent to that. Um, so I was like, well, I probably should have one adult thing for this system. So now I have Can Can Bunny Extra DX. Um, will I play it? Questionable. I put a little bit of time into it and just kind of poked around it, but it's a Japanese visual novel as, as expected. It, you know, I said this about first kiss story that I would never play it probably because of this. I ended up hundred percenting that. So I don't know, maybe someday I'll be writing up my blog post about can can bunny DX, but more or less it's just like, let's, I have this thing now. It was fairly cheap. It was like $20 for the, for it. So it wasn't that expensive. I was like, now I have my real adult game <laughs> for the PCFX, I guess. Um, I really don't have a lot of interest in, in like, visual novel adult games very much. They, you know, uh, having sex and stuff in a storyline is definitely something that you can do to, like, enhance a story in some ways. Depends on how it's handled, but um it's it's not really required and so like visual novels in particular there's not really going to do anything interesting with sex typically especially one i can't understand so i really can't think of a reason why i would check it out it's not like um um yeah like like i feel like i feel like you can handle sex in an interesting way in some stories and things like that and and make it matter but when it's all in a Japanese language and you don't understand it, it's probably going to be very difficult to uh, come across the reasoning for that kind of thing. So so it more or less was just like, okay, this is on my shelf now. 
I think out of all these games, that one's probably was one where I was just like, I didn't need this. It's here. You know, Blue Breaker Burst, I understand why I have it. Can Can Bunny Extra DX, I think was more or less just, well, I probably should have one of these, I guess. I don't know. I think the, the visual style of the game actually is pretty nice. I think maybe that's what made me pick it over other 18 plus games on the on the platform is that the character designs are nice. There's kind of a, a really silly aesthetic to it. There's like these little floating characters and stuff that float around. So it looks cute in that way. Um, so I thought maybe you know, overall from what I have seen of those types of games on the platform, it was one of the more visually interesting games of those types. So I was like, well, this is probably an interesting one to pick up. Um, I don't think QNX worked on this, but there was like a, 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 I think a, a combo pack you could buy that did have one of QNX's games on there. I forget what the game is called though. Is it Pia Carrot or something like that? I can't remember for sure. Uh, but I think, I think the Pia Carrot thing was like QNX porting something to the system. I can't remember for sure. It's been, it's been a while. Uh, I'm probably, Probably absolutely horrendously wrong. So, and then finally, I picked up the PlayStation Classic. This is also one of those things where it's like twenty dollars. Eh, that's sure. Why not? Uh, you get two, you know, USB PlayStation One controllers if for some reason you need that. Um, and then uh, I, I figured eventually, you know, there's nothing wrong with playing a game on a PC via emulator, but I am probably one of those people who have that unreasonable interest of being like, well, I'd rather play it on a TV, on a console, something I could capture easier than like capturing a window on an emulator. Um, you know, you can do that fine on a PC. I'm not going to sit there and try to like argue that like, oh, it's a problem. Uh, but sometimes just plugging an HDMI thing into your capture setup is going to be easier than trying to figure out the, the logistics of capturing for PC since I don't really capture for PC right now. So really it's there for, um, uh, fan translation. So police knots is really the only one I can think of. And, um, if anything's so expensive that I'll know, I never, I'll never own it. Like Coldeca, I'll never own Coldeca. I say it all the time. Coldeca is more expensive than I'm willing to pay for that games. And I doubt I ever will find a good deal on it in a way that I'd be interested in checking it out unless they've re-released it in some way, at which point I would be happy to buy it. Even if I've already played through the game through like a ISO, uh, I would definitely purchase it in the same way I did for earthbound one or mother beginnings, I guess mother one, I guess, or earthbound beginnings is I think what the U S name ended up being or earthbound zero. Um, I ended up buying that when they released it in America finally. Cause I was like, well, I played this years ago, but I should support this. So I went ahead and gave them my money and it was a good time. Um, but yeah, and, and actually, so one of the, this week, instead of a quick, a quick play, I'm having the uh, stream I did over the weekend on the PlayStation classic, uh, go up on the website on Wednesday. Um, and I was actually surprised just like how okay that system felt like i'm not gonna sit there and say it was anything amazing but like like a lot of the pal games i really couldn't notice the slowdown i mean admittedly it's been a very long time or i've never seen some of these games before so it's definitely not something that i'm just like super like attuned to or anything like that and but if you if you haven't played these games forever or or just like never played them in the past i think playing them as is on that thing it what like for 20 bucks honestly 
wasn't a terrible experience. Would you want to capture that and use it for video? Maybe not so much. Um, or, you know, like, you know, build your experience. Like if you're going to write about the game, maybe it probably wouldn't make a lot of sense unless you're specifying saying, Hey, I'm playing the PAL version or something like that. Um, but you know, for just enjoying it or something, a lot of those games I felt were fine. Like jumping flash was fine on, on there. And that's the PAL version as well. So, so yeah, I don't actually, I don't actually hate it that much. I think it's, it's mostly fine. Um, and I think if you, you know, 20 bucks, it's like a good price for those games. If you want to play like an official emulated version of those. And I think the games run fine enough. So I really can't, can't fault it all that much. I mean, again, you can look at the comparison videos online and see the differences. And, you know, obviously the answer is, Hey, this thing's not super great. Um, but I think just for getting a play, like if you, you know, playing PlayStation one games on a modern TV can be difficult. Um, and if you're just looking for something like that, you just want to plug something in and play, well, maybe the game selection might be a bad idea, but if you like the game selection, if you just want to play some jumping flash all of a sudden, I think it's a, it's a totally fine way to do that. Um, so yeah, this podcast went on long. It's been, uh, double the length. So my apologies, but I felt like I should probably just kind of talk out every part of this as much as I wanted to. Uh, I thought about it during the one piece part, like maybe I should speed this up, but I felt pretty good about how much I was going into some of these. So, so a little bit of an extra longer podcast for you this week. My apologies. Or if you like it, then you're, you're welcome. <laughs> um, so yeah, this week, uh, you know, I've been taking it slow, so you're not going to see a ton of great new content on the website. Like I said, the PlayStation Classic streams going, or is already up on YouTube, but the, the actual post is going to go live on the website on, on Wednesday. Um, no, no new video this week. I think I mentioned it last week, but the Hunex Fighters 98 video is probably going to happen at the end of next month. So I'm working on that stuff. I may open a research and archiving section to the website that won't have a front page presence, but we'll have a section there for, for things I think are valuable to have archived in some way. Um, so that may happen. Uh, I'm still looking into that though. Um, in terms of streaming stuff, still trying to fin finish up Mega Man X3, got to the final boss and got stuck there. So hopefully next week it will be quick, get through it and start up Kid Dracula. Uh, I'm still working on the Tales of the Tempest stuff in terms of reshuffling the sizes of the screen. I think ultimately I'm going to decide to not be faithful to the gap between the screen and just try to get as much screen realistic. Real estate, real estate is possible. The reason being is that I know some of the people in my chat watch via mobile at times, and I think the DS screens, when they're proper formatting, uh, the screens are still even 1.5 times bigger, still too small for um, for that situation. So I think we're just gonna forfeit the gap, make those screens two times bigger, and just call it a day like that. Which, you know, depending on the game, may or may not matter. Um, it usually, and even if it does matter, unless it's like Yoshi Touch and Go, where you're actually aiming, like, you know, between screens, chances are it's going to be an aesthetic issue where it's like, oh, we displayed a portrait between two screens, and then a chunk of this portrait was cut out because, you know, it was the, the gap of the screen was there. And then because you don't have the actual gap there, it, it messes with like how tall a character is or how much leg they have and stuff like that. So I don't think it'll be a real issue. I think it'll be some slight aesthetic issues. Um, I'm not sure what I plan to do long-term for video reviews and stuff. If I, if I ever have to use that format, but for right now, I think the only thing I'm thinking about possibly doing in the near future through that method is uh love plus and because i can do book mode with that that's 100 percent fine how i'm capturing it right now so but yeah thanks for coming one is the website 
Stream is again on a, a Thursday, I almost said Friday, uh, 7 p.m. Pacific time. Um, and, and then I'll try to have everything up. I, the only reason I'm kind of hesitant on some things is because I will have somebody here in, in, in my place then. So I got to just kind of figure out how that's going to work out in terms of scheduling that out and like having for the podcast, I'll definitely need some quiet time for this, for the stream. I don't really know how much it really matters. So, so we'll find out though. I'll, I, I'll probably at least have the podcast and the stream up, uh, next week and, and then we'll go from there. So thank you for your time. Hope you have a great week. Bye.